Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And guys, I'm super pleased to introduce someone today that's going to be a little bit of a different angle from what we've got. Um, I am joined by a college admissions process specialist, a guy that has built his own consulting agency, and now he helps people to fulfill their educational goals and dreams. Please welcome to the show, Shirag Shamashian. Welcome, my friend. How are you doing today? Yeah, thank you for having me, Sam. All is well. I get that name right, huh? Yes. Thank you for, you know, and, and I tell people my wife can't say it perfectly. So I'm not holding anybody else to a higher standard than that. But no, it was honestly excellent. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Well, welcome to the show. Um, before we jump off, because you are a uh, an absolute specialist in academic consulting. Uh, but before we jump into that, just just give the audience just a, a thousand foot overview of who you are and what it is you actually do. Yeah, so I help people get into um, top medical schools and top colleges uh, here in the United States. And I mean, we help students with Canadian admissions as well, especially on the medical school side. And that's done through a lot of ways, uh, you know, assisting people throughout their high school or college journeys about how, what extracurriculars to participate in and what courses to enroll in, whom to develop recommendation letter relationships with and everything in between. We also offer standardized test prep, application support, et cetera. Essentially comprehensive, you know, medical school planning or college planning is what we offer. And I've been doing it for quite a bit of time. I never, I never even thought about that as a service because when I went to high school, it was just assumed that everybody in the pre-college program in the, in the A-levels was going on to, to go to college and they just fill out the paperwork. But there was nobody really to, to guide us through that process. What was it that led you to see a need in the marketplace for this service? I mean, it was very personal. You know, I grew up with immigrant parents mm -hmm. who had high aspirations for my brother and me, you know, go to a great college, get a great job, um, but they didn't know how to do it. So when we were in high school, I was like, all right, mom, dad, like time to apply to college. They're like, we didn't go to school here. <laughs> and so we're like, uh-oh. Uh, it was a little realizing the emperor has no clothes kind of moment, you know, where, where you're like, all right, I know that this is an expectation that I've developed for myself through the encouragement of my parents, but mm -hmm. I have to learn how to pull this off. And so it was a lot of going to the bookstore and studying how, you know, this process works because it's gotten harder and harder over time. It used to be the case, you know, decades ago, where if you had strong grades and test scores mm -hmm. and had done, you know, some extracurricular activities, well, um, then you might be just fine. Um, but as time went on, you know, colleges saw that, okay, you've got a lot of applicants that kind of look the same. How do I differentiate these people? Mm -hmm. And how am I going to put them in a position or, you know, like, how do I select the best ones from this group? And so the emphasis became more and more on, well, grades and test scores are well and good, but they're only a foundation. Mm -hmm. They only tell us who's good at school. They don't tell me anything about their extracurriculars. They don't tell me anything about who they are as a person. So things like recommendation letters, extracurriculars, essays sort of grew in prominence. And you know, when I had my own success, I was getting a lot of requests from other people because they saw I had graduated debt-free with a lot of scholarships. I had gotten to, to top you know, programs uh, mm -hmm. across the United States. And so people wanted help. And I was like, oh, there are a lot of other people who have aspirations like me 
who also don't know how to do it, or they might have read some stuff. They have a little bit of education about this, but they don't not quite know how to pull it off. What? And so a lot of people, you know, came came to me for support. So it's one of these things where it's a, an incredible demand for spots in top colleges or medical schools. Yeah, with very limited yeah. supply. And it's very complex and nuanced how to tell a, a story about why you did what you did, who you are in X number of words and so on and so forth. So uh, it does require a lot of expertise and skill. I have a question. Um, what are you seeing this year? Um, as far as college admissions, um, with the with the delays from COVID from last year, and so many students opting to defer, what's that done to the graduating class from high school for last year and for their chances of getting to college? Yeah, so I mean, this process gets harder every year, mm -hmm. COVID or no COVID. Um, so <laughs> even pre-COVID, it was harder. I mean, COVID was was really rough in that it led a lot of students to defer their applications um, right. to, you know, or sorry, their, their matriculation, I should say, the time when they would start school. And so when a lot of people defer, that means you have fewer and fewer spots. So now there is even less supply right, um, right. for forever growing demand. And so what ended up happening is, you know, during that 2020 to 2021 cycle, the one before the one we're currently in, mm -hmm. we just saw record low acceptance rates at pretty much every prestigious school. Is that because of low application rates? Low high application rates. Okay. Very high application rates. Um, even, you know, essentially higher demand, lower supply. Mm -hmm. um, and so we had record low acceptance rates. Now, our students fortunately ended up, you know, doing pretty much as well as they had in the past, which is a blessing. Mm -hmm. um, but what this ended up doing is, obviously parents and students hear how hard it just was and so this current cycle the 21 22 cycle people were like i'm gonna apply everywhere because oh wow you know yeah. there's with more numbers there's even more randomness it's it's even more difficult and so we we're seeing even harder uh an even harder process this cycle that it's not just covid though there's also the um, you know, the test optional movement because, you know, COVID led to test cancellation. So you had a lot of students who like couldn't take standardized tests. So mm -hmm. schools went test optional, but that also meant students who struggled with standardized tests or would have struggled. Um, they didn't have to submit those. So some of those students got in, meaning students who would have gotten during an earlier cycle would have gotten in, but now didn't. And oh, so wow. the makeup of classes changed. Another big thing was the social justice movement in the United States, you know, with movements like Black Lives Matter, et cetera, you know, colleges were, they've talked about recruiting diverse student bodies for years, but now it was front and center in our country of we need to make changes. We need to make changes in reputation, you know, in um, as far as representation and reform and all this kind of stuff. So colleges also recruited the most diverse student bodies of all time uh, at these top schools. So there are some, obviously, if you increase representation in group A, you might be decreasing representation in group B because the number of seats isn't expanding. So without not just go ahead. without putting you in a hot seat, because yeah. I, I would never wish to do that to a guest. Is, is there a better way to do that? Because by by promoting based on somebody's background and not on the content of their character and their ability to perform, are we handicapping our colleges? Are we handicapping the next next? generation of graduates that's coming out of there by not giving the best brightest kids the best opportunities no i, I appreciate the question and there are different ways of looking at it you know mm -hmm. i i see the merit to both sides of the 
of the coin, you know, um, my parents, again, they're immigrants, right? And so they grew up in Lebanon, mm-hmm. which had a completely different admission system than, you know, the United States. I mean, there are other countries like this, where you essentially take certain tests, and depending on your performance, that tracks you into certain career options, right, and right. away from other career. So that's like, a, it's much more of a purely merit based system. Uh, in America, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't apply. It's a holistic admissions process. So merit is considered across, uh, you know, but also your character, your context, um, mm-hmm. you know, what opportunities did you have? Did you not have? And so people who, you know, hate that it's not only merit-based, they say, well, wouldn't you just want the best people, you know, the people who perform the best? And the other side of the argument is, well, yeah, but are they really the best or did they simply have more opportunities? What if you gave mm-hmm. the same opportunities to people who are exhibiting a little less merit, but, you know, but they didn't have the same chance. Yeah. Yeah. And so is there a right or wrong way? I can make, you know, you can argue both (laughs) sides. So I understand it's a dilemma. My thing is, it's not about me taking a side. The position I take is irrelevant Mm -hmm. because I'm here to help my students get in. And so, you know, my personal feelings aside and all this kind of stuff is how can, we help differentiate our students so that they're not just seen as just a member of group A or group mm-hmm. B or group B. So I care about differentiation, yeah. not to say, oh, you're you're an Armenian student. Well, Armenian students are like, no, I want to help everyone be distinct in the process um, because that's going to maximize your odds. And it's going to be harder for a school to have a comparison. I, and I, that's really yeah. the name of the game here. So I try not to get bogged down in this, you know, the political stuff behind Absolutely. stuff like yeah. that, because that's going to hinder me from doing my job. The rules are whatever they say they are, and it's your job to be as we good as possible as playing the game, yeah. right? Yeah, no, That's I get right. that. So what does the process look like? As Because I not only do we have college kids listening, but also I have an, quite a few listeners between 40 and 50 that have mm. high school kids getting ready to transition into college. What does the process look like for working with you and your team as opposed to trying to figure this out by themselves? Yeah, so... I mean, we provide a lot of resources online. So if anyone you know visits our, our blog, you'll find re- resources about pretty much every topic um, that you need to know about, whether you're applying to college or medical school and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's, not an, it's not a situation of not having enough information. I've always seen, or you know, I've always viewed it as important as putting it out there because whether or not someone pays me a dime should not influence whether or not they have the information, right? Agreed, yeah. The question, I mean, there are two questions here, right? Number one is, um, do you want to do it on your own? Just because you can, (laughs) just because you can make dinner tonight doesn't mean you want to make dinner tonight, right? Right, right. Um, That's what takeout exists for, right? And all these other kinds (laughs) of things. Um, The other thing is, are you sure you're going to do it as well? Right. You know, so I can watch a YouTube video on how to redo my bathroom, how Mm -hmm. to install tiles. It's probably going to take me longer. It's going to be more frustrating. I probably won't do as well. And then you got to ask yourself, like, is it worth me quote unquote risking it by going it alone? Or do I want to pay someone who, 
who has a track record of doing this. Oh, you you don't. And gotta, that's a question that people have to answer for themselves. You don't got to convince me, man. I mean, I yeah. I firmly believe in in paying professionals to to get what I need and get sure. it done right the first time. I mean, I can tile a bathroom, but um, not as quickly as my buddy can tile one, and it's not going to look as good. So there you um, go. It's the same process. I would rather pay somebody that was a. Uh, that was a, a an expert. So on the road to becoming an expert, <clears throat> I want to touch back on some entrepreneurship here, because sure. you went to school, obviously to to like what was it? Be a be a doctor? To yeah. So to, I, to, I was pre med all that. through undergrad, but I ended up getting my PhD in clinical psychology rather than go to medical school. Um, but yes, please but continue. You'd, you'd never run a business prior to prior no. to that. So what was it like when you came out of school and go, right, I've got a, a clinical psychology degree and I think I'm going to go start a business. How was that transition for you? Step by step. Mm -hmm. um, I had no idea what I was doing, you know, <laughs> going back to how this sort of grew organically following my own self-interest to get into these schools. You know, mm -hmm. it was a situation where, when I was in, you know, I was helping a lot of people. I've been helping people almost 20 years with this process. And, you know, I was going through grad school and a friend of mine who was, you know, developing an entrepreneurial mindset as well. He was starting to give me books. He's like, oh, read this. I think you'll like it. Read it. Mm -hmm. And so it, I just started going down that rabbit hole. And I was like, you know what? I, I do kind of want to do something of my own. Um, I don't know what. And then I didn't have to think that hard of, you know, about what it would be because I was like, oh, I already do this thing. Um, and I enjoy it and people find tremendous value in it and they have a lot of success. So I was like, all right, this is going to be my, my business. Um, <laughs> I didn't anticipate that it would grow to the extent that it did, that I would have the fortune of, you know, supporting the, the students that I have. Literally, Sam, the email I sent my parents one night was, mom, dad, I just want you to know I have a business now. <laughs> this is what I do. And if you know anyone, send them my way. There was no name. There was no website. There was no business plan. There was nothing. Wow. Um, so, and I think, you know, I bring that up because how many people do we know who are like, well, when all these different forces, the market, the <laughs> politics, my family, my this, my that, when I lose two more pounds, I'm the star, but whatever. Everyone's always waiting for this perfect moment, but that's a myth. There's no perfect moment to do anything. And so, you know, I, I sort of, uh, I, I built the plane in flight, as they say, you know, as far as seeking, you know, my wife's friend just started a basic Squarespace site for me. Um, mm -hmm. We had a very elementary looking logo. There was nothing on the site. Uh, I mean, there was nothing. I had no formal education. I had no experience. I had never, um, I had never taken a business course. Um, I had just read some books and thought, and that was it. And but, so it just organically grew over time as, you know, I was developing resources for the students I was helping and, um, and then developed, you know, more, more nuanced, you know, marketing systems and student support systems and then hired people and refined hiring. So it's one of those things where you can't, you, you see a business that's operating well, you say like, God, that's intimidating. Yeah, but we make yeah. it sound like it was built overnight. It wasn't. You None see, of them are. What I noticed was the the one thing you told me you didn't have was 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 an excuse. Yeah. Um, so many people stand here and they analyze and, and they say, "Oh, I'm when I get my plan ready, or yeah, when I lose two pounds, or when this happens, or when that happens." And you didn't do that. You just acted upon demand that you found in the marketplace, right? Yeah, absolutely. And 
And I think that sometimes, you know, people hear the essentially the just do it or just get started advice. And they think, yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of their mindset, mind goes to like, yeah, it must be easy for you to say because you <laughs> No, it's I, I get that it's sort of on the other side of having actually, you know, built something and mm-hmm. um, serving people and so on. But but that's really what it was. I mean, there were uh, there was a period of time where, look, there were students who were asking me questions, Sam, for example, and they were like, oh, how do you write this one essay or mm-hmm. or this other essay? And I was like, gosh, I wish there was a good resource on that. And there wasn't. So I started writing and I had like a newsletter. I remember there was one night, this was years ago. And I, I was like blogging, you know, I had like eight people on my email newsletter, literally eight <laughs> people. That's not, I, a, I've, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. And, uh, and, and then, you know, I had told them that I'm going to send, I'm going to publish a new guide and send it to them every Friday. Mm-hmm. And I remember Thursday, you know, I'm like, you know, after dinner, I, I told my, you know, wife, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta work on this, you know, I'm gonna be up late tonight. And she's like, they're not gonna care. It's not like that, you know, it's fine if you don't get to, I said, no, mm-hmm. I told them I'm gonna, so I'm gonna. And, and I think it's that mentality, you have to make a promise to yourself, you have to make a promise to the people you're going to serve up. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to commit to, right? Because otherwise, it's just a dream. You got to actually act on doing it. Even before, like people say, like, oh, when it's a certain thing, then I'll take it. No, yeah. mm-hmm. like you, you have to actually nurture and cultivate it. You know, you don't buy a bunch of seeds and say, okay, when it's a big plant, I'll water it. How ridiculous <laughs> does that sound? You're right, though. You've got to water it before you ever see the plant. You know, you've got yeah. to water those seeds. One thing that one thing that really struck me about this whole thing is that you didn't start out to start a business. You started out to serve a community and solve their problem, and you turned it into a business from there. But guys, listen up, because um, Shirag started out by serving first and solving a problem for his community. He didn't set out to build and to sell stuff. He started out by saying, who can I help and whose lives can I improve? Right, and it, it didn't cost him anything except for his time and except for putting out a newsletter. So that's how you start in business. It's finding mm-hmm. that, yeah, finding that problem within a community that you can serve. So um, I gotta ask, man, what has been for you the most joyous part of this, the most rewarding part of owning your own business? I mean, probably the single most is relationship building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the students we serve. I know their names. Sometimes I know their parents' names. Mm-hmm. I have relationships. And, you know, this is a part of the year where people are getting into, you know, medical schools and colleges and talking to parents and congratulating them because they've poured their, you know, sweat and tears into this process and just that relation. And then also on our team, meeting people I would have never met. Um, and it's that, and I'm a people person. I love getting to know people. Uh, you know, I'm a pretty chatty guy and, and love to sort of learn about where <laughs> people are from. Yeah. Uh, and what they're about and all this kind of stuff. And so it's just like the perfect sort of springboard for me to do that. Um, the other thing is, you know, really provide for my family um, and, you know, achieve, you know, more for our family financially, as far as like being able to buy a house earlier than we would have been able to, and, mm-hmm. you know, have a flexible schedule where I can take my son to school and, and things like that. Now that I doesn't love mean that. that I get to do I whatever that. I want, whenever I want, you know, I, I work long, long hours, you know, 
I go to bed after everybody else in my family that like, mm-hmm. that's all true. There's a lot of sacrifice, but for me, I don't mind long hours. I don't mind a lot of work. Um, I really like to, to have flexibility and to do things on, on sort of my own schedule. Um, I really value that. And so it's allowed me to, yeah, serve people well, build relationships and have the flexibility, you know, that my, that allows our family to, to work better. Uh, and that's such a blessing. That's one of my great joys is is being able to structure my work day around my kids and taking them yep. to school and having them in the afternoons and anything else. Was was there something about entrepreneurship that really surprised you, that, that took you back, that you maybe weren't expecting when you got into it? Mm. Yeah, I think entrepreneurship can just look like a lot of different things. You know, mm-hmm. we I think when we think entrepreneur, we're thinking of like Fortune magazine with, you know, someone oh, like yeah. folded arms and he's, like he's a, doing the hero pose for those of yeah, you, you, know, you listening like, on iTunes. He's doing this hero yeah. pose. <laughs> and and so I think you know, we we really need to reframe what entrepreneur means. You don't have to be Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, if you're going to be more tower more power to you, like go get him. That's great. But like entrepreneurship to me just means you know, taking the initiative to, to solve, you know, problems at a larger scale, mm-hmm. you know, than the average person would be able to do or is willing to do. Um, and, and that's what it is to me. And so, you know, I see a lot of people who, you know, whether they're starting a donut shop or building a, you know, I have friends who've built a, a billion dollar company from the ground up and, and everything in between. So I think it's important to shed what you think entrepreneurship is because I think sometimes people, you know, don't give themselves enough credit for the kind of thing that they can build. Um, the other thing is it's, it's hard. That's not a surprise. I figure, but you know, when you're in it and you've, you've been the proverbial janitor and the cash register operator and mm-hmm. the line cook, et cetera. Um, it gives you an incredible appreciation for how complex businesses are and how they're essentially entities and organizations and organisms, just like any person is right. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so there, I mean, there's so much complexity. It's uh, it can be difficult. It's also a beautiful thing. Um, and so it's just been incredible to not have, you know, family members who are entrepreneurs or mentors, but then being able to like develop this muscle and also be able to help maybe my kids or my nephews mm-hmm. or my niece or whatever the case might be. Man, yeah. That's one of the, one of the hardest parts for me is, is not jumping back in and, and, performing tasks when they need to be done and actually delegating yep. it to employees. I mean, you come so through hard. the you come through the, every step of your business. It's like, I've done that. I understand it. And um, that's, that's what I do. So, but let's get back to the, uh, the college admissions process. Um, I know there's going to be some people listening that get tremendous value out of this. Um, what are some common mistakes you see amongst college applicants? And um, what are some of the, uh, the best tips that you can give uh, for guys to get this right? Uh, number one, over-focusing on grades and test scores simply because they're tangible. What mm-hmm. do I mean by that? You know, when we have uh, GPA and, you know, SAT and ACT scores and stuff like that, we know what the number is. We know where we stand. Right. A lot of us find comfort in knowing where we stand because we can, that's the closest thing you can touch and feel when it comes to the admissions process. If I told you, oh, here's a resume, what percentile is this resume? most people will be a deer in the headlights. They'll have no idea how to evaluate that. Explain that to me just a second. What percentile is this resume? What what do you mean by that? So let's say you get a, you know, I don't know, a really high ACT score, like a 34 or something like that. You can say, okay, there's a 98th percentile score, whatever it is today, right? It's a very high score. I know where I stand. I know I've performed better than 98% of people. 
If I look at a resume, it's hard for me as a parent or a student to say, where does this stand? What percent of people am I better than mm -hmm. is my resume or my essay? What percent of essays is this? These are very complicated questions to answer. Now, unfortunately, what that leads people to do is, well, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. So I'm not really going to focus on that. I'm going to I'm going to spend my time on the things I actually understand. Right. But then you get a lot of people who, you know, did every course, got every grade, got every test score, but whose resumes fall flat. There isn't enough depth. And so you've got a lot of people who have on paper what it takes, but in practice, they, they don't pull it off because they didn't tend to the other really important parts of the process. So that's probably the number one thing that I see as an error, not, not taking the time to understand and develop a unique extracurricular profile. And then mm -hmm. also being too swayed by what you're reading online in terms of examples and not standing out. Sometimes students write an amazing essay, Sam. Mm -hmm. They say, Dr. Shamasan, we need to talk. I read examples online. Mine doesn't look like them. I'm like, good, <laughs> good. Yeah, good. But because it's hard for us to have a clear comparison point with us, we sort of, we go down this spiral mm -hmm. um, and think that everything needs to change and we need to do something. We need to add some, an ingredient and change it and show it to one other person. Oh my God, they gave me this feedback. I got to change it. And, and so they, they sort of, they, they, they go down this rabbit hole. And I just tell people like, be deliberate develop a game plan. It's not just about numbers. How do we actually develop interestingness in you? And people who trust that do exceptionally well. People who don't trust that and say, yeah, 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 I got it, but I'm going to enroll this other course. That's <laughs> when people fall apart. Well, that's, I think that's because you're asking them to write what is probably the most important marketing letter of their lives. With no with, practice. With, with Exactly, with no marketing experience. And when we first come into those situations, it needs, it's all about I, 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 I did this, I did that, I did this. Whereas in reality, we've got to give them what the person reading that letter wants to see. Does that, is that more how it goes? Yeah, and the, here's the thing. The thing that the person wants to see is actually what drives you the thing we couldn't pull from your resume ah. so another big error is getting into what i call mind reading okay where a student thinks like oh an admissions committee wants to see this mm -hmm. and so they they might not do the most interesting story but they do the one they think the reader wants to read okay but it tends to be not as interesting because you're playing to an imaginary audience Oh man. You don't you don't know Rebecca in Pennsylvania. You don't know uh, what yeah. she wants to read. You don't know what, you know, Anshu in Texas wants to read. <laughs> you don't know what Chen in Florida wants to see. That's so true. You don't true. even know who these people are. So, oh, wow. you know, who are you to decide like, oh, this person wants this. And so it's all about thinking about okay, what is it about me? You know, what drives me? What mm -hmm. personal and professional experiences are really impactful to me? What qualities do I want them to know about me? What are meaningful experiences? When others think about me, what do they think? Okay, what examples from my life highlight that? And working backwards to deliver that rather than say, Rachel in Pennsylvania, I bet she <laughs> wants. No, that's not how it works. I'm learning so much about this entire process. Um, what would you say, man, what would you say the top, three things that somebody putting in an application for, for college right now needs to be aware of and needs to focus on? Number one, making sure that the qualities that you want to communicate jump off the page and that we're learning something about you that I couldn't from a resume. 
Okay. So if there's, if I saw your resume and I read your essay and anything in your essay was something I could have learned from your resume, you got to change it. You're wasting oh, wow. precious real estate. There's an activity section that allows you to list things out. Um, and that's going to be really critical. Okay. Um, another important thing is making sure to understand school specific fit. So mm. when you go to these top college websites, what do you see? You look at, you know, Ooh, this famous alumnus, yeah. like, you know, gave a huge gift to the school. We're mm. going to build a building or and pitches the football team and the flags. Yes, waving and, and yeah. All that yeah, scholarships, yeah, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Or, mm -hmm. um, you know, Professor Johnson discovers new target for cancer treatment. Look at all the amazing research we do. Number three, look at our student who won an award, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You go to all these schools. And if I have, sometimes people say, you know, my top two choices are Yale and Princeton. And I ask them, well, what's the difference between Yale and Princeton? They say, I don't know. They're both good, <laughs> but that's not good enough. That's so true. If Yale asks you, why do you want to come to Yale? Well, you're good. Yale well, knows good. they're good. That's not what they're interested in. They want to know how you're going to impact their community. Oh, wow. How and you're going to be an addition. You grow. How you're going to be an addition. How you're going to be an asset to Yale. See, I never even think about it, this. I, yeah. People don't think about that. They only go, mm -hmm. they think about, well, how is Yale going to be good for me? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Yale's famous. So if I go to Yale, I'll have your school on my resume mm -hmm. and it'll make things easier for me. And I want to take advantage of this program and that program. That's a pretty selfish and one-sided yeah. way of looking at it. What about what Yale wants? Yale mm -hmm. wants to put you on their website one day and said, so-and-so Samuel Smith discovered this target for cancer or whatever yeah. it might be. And so, you know, I liken that to a relationship. You know, if you're dating someone, they say, why do you want to be with me? And you say, well, you know how good I'd look with you on my arm? Mm. <laughs> that relationship's not going to go anywhere. That's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you have to talk about what you bring to the relationship, mm -hmm. why you couldn't, you know, see life without them and why yeah. you're perfect for each other. I mean, you've got to and, bring value. It's, a, it's, it's almost as though it's a value exchange. You're getting sure. a prestigious degree from Yale, but what is Yale getting in return for allowing you to participate exactly. in that process? Yale also has its own self-interest and I don't yeah. think enough of us think about that. I mean, that's a diamond right there for somebody to, to, to take away is the fact that what is it that you're bringing to the prestigious college? How are you not diluting their brand and how are you going to add mm -hmm. to it? I, I never think of this stuff and I know it's going to be useful because, again, there's a lot of parents in the group with college age kids and there's a lot of college age kids listen too. So it's uh, definitely going to be useful information, stuff I would never have thought of. But, but the, and that's the thing. And it almost feels sometimes silly, right? When we talk about them, because, you know, this is about entrepreneurship and small business. You know, we would never start a website saying, well, the reason I charge $22 for a bag of, you know, coffee beans is so that, you know, we can pay the farmers more. Yeah. But also where I live is expensive and, you know, I want to be able to pay my rent. No, mm -hmm. you talk about, supply chain making sure there are equitable wages mm -hmm. and build, giving a quality product to them it's you're appealing to their interests and yeah. helping them feel good about what they're purchasing because there's a story yeah it's like and, and that's the difference between self-centered approaches to entrepreneurship or admissions or whatever mm -hmm. um, versus thinking about bi-directional how does this fit how does this all work why should you care about me I mean, it's almost as though, again, you've, you've got to serve the college that you go to the same as we serve any client through mm -hmm. any transaction. It's the exchange of value. And what do you bring into that college? Yep. 
I, I just love your, your outlook on that. And this is opening me up to an entirely different uh, area of life that I obviously I didn't uh, didn't go to college in America. I, I, I lasted about six weeks at college in England. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't a good fit for uh, I wasn't a good fit for that. But um, I sincerely believe in the value of continuing education and constantly seeking out learning. And that leads me to my next question. Um, you said earlier that you were a huge fan of reading and books. Are there any standout books that you've read in the last few months that you can uh, share with the audience? In the last few months, to be honest, um, I haven't been too voracious of a reader. You know, my <laughs> wife is pregnant with our second and I'm trying oh, congratulations. to get a lot of, thank you. I'm trying to get a lot of logistical things in order. And that's been a big focus of mine, um, on the, on the sort of the non-work front. Um, but as far as like books that have been, you know, particularly interesting to me, um, you know, in the, I mean, I, I often revisit uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I love Dale that Carnegie. one. Yeah. Probably my single favorite, you know, book. Um, it, you might not think it's an entrepreneurial book, but it is, you know, it's about building relationships and, and helping to, to join with others. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's a fascinating book. Um, I, I'm kind of a, I only read like nonfiction-y stuff. So I read books on marriage. Um, there's a book, uh, Timothy Keller, who's a pastor in New York, uh, mm -hmm. Meaning of Marriage. That's one that's been really influential for me and how to cultivate a, you know, a great marital relationship. I love that one. Um, so I, I read a lot of books like this. Um, yeah. Most people aren't uh, super thrilled when they see my my library, but um, but those are two books that you know I figured would be good to highlight today. Well, I, I certainly have the uh, I have the one book in it, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And shit, if I yeah, yeah. if I'd had the second book in it, maybe my relationship wouldn't be like it is right now. Who knows? You know. So I don't know. Uh, you get I don't know. you get a lot out something of, for uh, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you get a lot out of reading, um, man. This is a tricky question now because um, I ask it to all my guests, but I have a feeling that you're going to answer it with stuff because you, you do this kind of thing every day. But I wanted to ask, this show is aimed at people, you know, 5, 10, 15 years behind us in their entrepreneurial journey. So if you had to go back and give a piece of advice to somebody that's 15 years behind you and, and coming up, which again, you talk to a lot of young kids, so it should be uh, should be relatively uh, common answer for you. What is that one piece of advice that you would give these guys? Believe that it's possible. I know this sounds very kumbaya kind of thing, um, but I think that you know, looking around when you read numbers like acceptance rates, you look at your community. Maybe you live in a community where people just don't go to the kind of schools you've been dreaming of. Maybe right. your parents didn't, don't have a legacy at a famous college or something like that. And you think it's only reserved for rich kids whose moms and dads went there or whatever the case mm -hmm. might be. Um, I actually think that, you know, whatever you, and, and I'm not trying to get into like manifest, you know, that kind of thing. But if you don't actually believe it's possible, you just don't put in the effort to do it. Right. If you're like, if I say, Sam, you know, I want you to work really, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. um, but just an FYI, it's not going to work out. But right. I want you to work really, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. You're probably not going to do it. And if you are going to do it, you're not going to put your best foot forward. Correct. Yeah. And I think sometimes we in our head, there's that voice of, you know, but it's not going to work. And so we perform in a way that reflects the feeling of why bother anyway? Mm hmm. 
And I just want, you know, folks to find, you know, examples, mentors, um, or whatever it is that they need to actually develop the belief that it's possible, because then they'll actually try, you know, ask yourself, if you're a budding entrepreneur, like, am I doing it really because I'm hoping March, you know, April rolls around or when I lose two pounds or when my kids <laughs> in fifth grade or is that really it? Or do you actually deep down don't believe it's going to work out for you? You don't think you have enough formal education. Um, you don't, you know, between the job you're already working and kids, you just don't have the time. So it's not. So be honest with yourself and call that out and talk about it and figure out ways to, because I think sometimes we say stuff, but it's just reflecting a lack of belief. And this is so true for college admissions too. Right. right. Students don't submit their work to us on time, rush at the end, whatever. Cause deep down they're like, kind of doesn't, I mean, with these numbers, it's crazy. You know, I don't even oh, know how it's going to work. So they don't put their best foot forward. And that's really what I want people to walk away with. If there even is a sliver of this might work, you're going to try so much harder than if you believe otherwise. Man, that is just such good advice. Um, having the belief and having that confidence. And, and you're right. When you believe it, you see it and you try harder to make it happen. And you put that effort in. and you. What get if the- it worked? Exactly. What you if know? it's possible? Let's oh. just challenge that. It's not possible. Well, what if it is? Mm-hmm. Let's think about that a little bit more. Yeah, I, I always use the, the phrase, instead of saying, I cannot, just say, how can I? You know, what's the difference? Yeah. How, how can I get to where I want to go? And, um, you know, if I could if I could instill that into a bunch of 18-year-old kids, I'd be very happy. Be you know, they, they, they get their heads right and they think, you know what, I can do anything. Because in reality, you've created your own version of your own world and you're sitting mm-hmm. right in the middle of it and you did that and you're, you're not what your parents asked you to be and you're exactly what you want to do you're living proof mm-hmm. i've done the same thing and man to impart that on as many kids as possible would be great so as we're wrapping this up i gotta thank you for coming on here man you've you've really opened my eyes to an entire different side of uh, of an industry that i didn't know existed so thank you very much for that Where's the best place for the listeners to follow you on the internet and to maybe get in touch with you and show them how they can uh, streamline their admissions process? Yeah, thank you for developing this platform and and inviting me to to share. Um, you know, kudos goes, goes to you, Sam. And um, as far as where people can find me, uh, shamasianconsulting.com is the website. I know it's a mouthful. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, you know, Samuel link to it in the show notes, but yes, very yes, simple to, to get in touch. There's a clear contact button in the top right corner of any page and folks are able to reach out to me, you know, via email and see how it is that we can assist them. It would be a pleasure. I, I would love it because the, the amount of knowledge you've dropped just in this short interview and uh, the amount of stuff I see reading your website, you've got a ton of free resources. Um, you've got medical admissions services, you've got regular college, and then you've got like uh, the MCAT questions and you're, you're helping people actually get prepared for stuff. So dude, just your free stuff is, is absolutely eye-opening. And um, guys that listening, this seems, this is the first time I've, I've, uh, I've ever met Shirag, but he seems like the most genuine guy to, uh, to help you or your kids through the college admissions process. Absolutely go check out his stuff. Uh, Shirag, thank you so much for being a guest, sir. Thanks so much for your kind words and for the invitation. Take care. All right. That was uh, Shirag Shemasian.
think I got that right. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, please run over, check out his stuff, especially if you've got kids of the age that are going to college or if you're one of our younger listeners and going yourself. I can tell you from reading his website, this guy knows his stuff and will be an excellent addition to uh, your college admissions process. All right, that's going to wrap up the show. Be sure and tune in for Wednesday's episode when Sam and Kyle see what's up and uh, we go through a few news articles from current events. You'll be good. Stay safe and uh, run out and check out ShemassianConsulting.com. I'll see you all on Wednesday. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.